check, check. Mic check. This is the Fly Moto 60 Show. Presented by Maxxis Tires, Pro Taper, and Get Data. On PulpMX.com. Taking your calls and looking ahead to the races. With your host, Steve Mathis. Yeah, welcome everybody. Fly Racing Moto 60 Show. Thursday, May 27th, 11 a.m. Pacific. Thanks for calling. Thanks for listening. Thanks for doing all that. Lots to talk to when it lots to talk about when it comes to this weekend. Paula kicking off, of course, round one of the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championships. Lots to get into. Thanks to Fly Racing and FlyRacing.com for coming on board this. They got the Formula Helmet. They got the light pant. We're giving away a Zone Pro goggle today as well. So thank you to Fly Racing. Get it from your favorite dealer or favorite e-tailer. Oh, by the way, Jason Thomas and Michael Antonovich coming up here on the show. Thanks to FMF Vision as well. Zach Osborne, Joey Savacci, Justin Bogle, among others, wearing the FMF Vision. The choice of Osborne, the power is in the details. The power is committing to all the small things which lead to innovation. Power is to see what others cannot. FMFRacing.com to experience the Power Bomb and Power Core goggles now. Thank you to Get as well. Get and Athena, the uh, ECUs for two strokes, four strokes. They make uh, hard engine parts as well. The folks at Athena side, they got an RPM dashboard that you'll see at the MXGPs. So those guys that get in Athena are doing great things. Pro Taper as well, whether it's the Sella device, the Micro Bar, whatever it is, the Pro Tapers guys, uh, they simply continue to elevate the game. Star Racing Yamaha, Chaparral Honda, Rockstar Husky, all using Pro Taper products from grassroots local amateurs to teams like that. Check them out, the complete product offering at local Tucker Power Sports dealer. Maxxis Tires. A-Ray and his assault on the 450 National Championship uh, on Max's tires start this weekend. SGB Max's Kawasaki team, of course, uh, on board with that. Mountain bike tires, light truck tires, they'll dial you in, uh, make it make it really good for you, whatever it is. So thanks to Max's Pro Taper, Get, FMF, Vision, as well as Fly Racing for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Let's uh, dive into Paula and uh, talk a little bit about it with our guests, your phone calls, and more. Tits legendary. What's up, Tits? How are you? I'm glad I can contribute in some meaningful way. Thank you for coming in. It all happened because you're late. You're yes, late. You're behind. Very close, yeah. Not within my normal no, uh, arrival no. time. Uh, what do you think of the outdoors? How excited are you? Very excited. You're more of a supercross guy, um, like watching-wise. Well, since Dungey left, I'm not really much of anything. Uh, oh, wow. More than anything else. You know, it's all registers right around there on that number five uh, point. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, I find myself falling asleep more during the motos in the outdoors, mostly because that's after what an endorsement, and, what an yeah. endorsement, everybody, <laughs> <laughs> but I am very excited for it. It's been a nice little break, you know, in between supercross and motocross gets the batteries recharged and everything. So I am looking forward to this weekend. Uh, who do you got winning? I think AC, uh, I'm going to follow my heart. And say him or Roxon. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I like so, that. And so. I don't have an opinion on the 250 class. 
Okay, sounds good. Uh, get JT in line if you can. <laughs> 702-586-7857-Give us a call if you can. We're giving away some goggles as well. So uh, looking forward to your guys' call. Michael Antonovich from Swap Moto Live and Jason Thomas from Fly Racing will all be in um, to uh, to talk about the uh, upcoming Nationals at Paula. They had press day Tuesday. They had a ride day. Yesterday was pre- uh, press conferences. So things are cooking along for the uh, Motocross Nationals um, as we're get going on. So uh, I also want to talk to JT about my... Uh, or our bet that couldn't quite happen. So we'll get into that and talk more. 702-586-PULP. We're giving away some Fly Zone Pro goggles and uh, some uh, FMF Vision goggles as well. So uh, really, really appreciate you guys doing this. We'll be here each and every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific before each race to uh, break everything down and uh, look ahead to the weekend. So to help me do that and more uh, from Fly Racing and FlyRacing.com, it's Jason Thomas. What's up, JT? How are you? I'm good. How are you? We're great, man. Uh, Paula, this weekend, kicking off, had uh, three weeks off, and uh, I, I really like the well, I like the time off selfishly because of, for me and my work and my workload and everything, I enjoy that, but I do think it's better to have this time off for these guys. I mean, the days of wrapping up Vegas on a Saturday night and going to Glen Helen in, in six days, you know, like, it just, ah, oh, man, that had to suck, and it wasn't great for the sport, and three weeks off, I think we're going to see some great racing because of the time off. Yeah, I like everything about it. I know, speaking as a racer, and it's it's obviously been a long time now, but I, I can remember it pretty vividly, uh, really stressing about how this first weekend was going to go. And part of that was on me. I didn't do a good job of preparing because really for a lot of these riders in a typical season, you really have to dedicate that time in the middle of your Supercross season to start switching over. You need to start riding outdoors. And and a lot of that's on the teams. You know, these factory teams, they have the resources to do it. But if you're not full factory, it gets difficult because you need extra sets of suspension. You need extra wheels that have different sprockets and chains and all these different, you know, uh, suspension, as I mentioned, and linkages and triple clamps at times and all these things to make your outdoor bike and be able to switch back and forth, which a lot of times means an extra bike as well. Uh, so it's it's challenging on uh, teams and riders and this schedule, I think, removes all of that. You know, basically, if you really wanted to, you could have waited until Salt Lake ended and then started Monday and yep. gotten over three full weeks of outdoor practice before the first race, which isn't enough to be 100% ready, but it's a lot more ready than I would have ever been. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think it's good. And we're going to go deeper into September. That'll help the motocross the nation's effort, I think. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a win-win. I like it. Yeah, it, it's like I said, it's better on every level. Uh, I think it's great for fans to get a little break. Um, I think it raises the the anticipation to get another series kicked off, and it, it feels like more of like a clean break, right? We we got out yeah. of Supercross, we put it to bed, we got to celebrate the champions, and then make this full switch, and then we get into some anticipatory stuff where we get to preview it, we get to talk about it, really analyze what we expect. Where before, man, it was just you know, wham, bam, and we were into the race before we really even had time to breathe. Yeah, it, uh, it's funny. Like, when when I was doing some stories on the motocross donations and the timing of it and why we do that and why we're ending before September, I was told over and over, college football starts and, and nobody's going to go to the races, and, and the NBC wanted it done before college football, and that's why we pushed it up. And, and I'm like, okay, well, uh, you know, whatever. Like, And then all of a sudden now college football doesn't matter. I don't know. One of those answers that continually the goalposts are moving all the time, depending on who you ask. But I wonder now, like, well, why not go into September? I mean, we used to do it all the time and, and 
give these guys more of a break. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's it's weird that the answer that I was getting is so different because I was told, like, oh, it's never going to go into September again. Yeah, you wonder if, uh, you know, COVID changed everything, right? It changed what the priorities were. It pushed the series start date back and the end date into October, which has never happened. And you wonder if that forcing of everyone's hand just made everyone realize, yeah, it's fine. Like, just, just do it in September. Like, yeah. Who cares? Yeah. And, and I, I think just to add to that, I think the, uh, I guess just, I don't know the right word, um, creation of these apps made, I think it lessened the fear of some of that, right? Because, okay, so what? So we have football, whatever. We have an app, right? We yeah. can run these I, races live on an app, and that's still going to bring in revenue. It's still going to give the fans an avenue, even if, even if NBC Sports or whoever channel you're on says, yes, yeah, sorry, we have something to run. Okay, well, we have an app as a backup, so we're going to run the series when we want to. Well, and then, like, how much crossover does the college football season take from motocross people, right? Like, I mean, obviously some, but, like, it's not like those those are exclusive fan bases that, that simply watch one or the other. So, I don't yeah, know. I think, I, just, you know. I think they were just scared of getting just completely annihilated in ratings. I think that was the fear. Um, because, really, if you looked at the, the networks, you know, NBC Sports doesn't run college football. They, no. they have a, yeah. a contract with Notre Dame, but that's about it. I think it was just a fear of the ratings just killing them. That's, right. that's all I can really yeah. attribute it to. Yeah. What else would there be? Yeah, know? I don't know. I, I bet you we're, we're going to get what we're going to get in viewership uh, no matter what. Uh, yeah, I, I know that's your right. your default. You're probably not wrong. I, I don't really disagree with that take. Um, I just think if you're on a corporate TV level, yeah, I think that's probably what they were saying. Maybe. So we should lay out our, our – um, I thought for our listeners it'd be interesting. By the way, 702-586-7857. Give us a call if you want to talk about some Paula races or anything. But I thought it'd be interesting for our listeners to lay out and maybe have Tits Legendary to weigh in on uh, on our failed troll train bet that we, we, we had decided to make during our, our Zoom show. Let's do it. I'm in. I want to talk this out. So um, we, we talked about troll train. Uh, and I said he's going to be uh, fifth or better in the outdoor points. And JT said, nope, he'll be sixth you know, or worse, and let's take the bet. So then I had to check on my end a couple of things uh, with Troll Train himself. And it wasn't one of those things where I was going to – I threw JT under the bus. I just wanted to check on a couple of health issues. I got the green light from Troll Train. Yep. So, so then I said, all right, let's, let's do a bet. And – Obviously, our sport is so dangerous. The attrition rate is, is so uh, low as far as these guys being able to finish a season. I, I just I wanted some sort of injury protection from JT saying, listen, if he races, uh, give me some sort of moto bet, like 20 motos, 18 motos, 22 motos, something where I think if he races, he will race most of the motos or all of the motos, he will finish in the top five. And JT just refused to do that. So I found, well, I found Travis Marks. Travis Marks okay. uh, took the bet, yep, but yep. I was just like, "Look, the bet it doesn't mean I. It just means the bet is off." Yeah, let me let me opine in there. Yeah, yeah. Right. So That's I said, I said to JT, like, if he doesn't, if he gets hurt, the bet is off. If right. he, if he finishes at X amount of motos, the bet is on, and we're good. And JT just refused to do it. Right. And 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 all but, of that. So go ahead, JT. And that, that's all true. Everything you said is true. But my reasoning was part of my logic for why I liked my bet was injuries happen in the sport. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm banking on that being one of the outcomes, right? So it wasn't that I don't think Alex can be top five. I, I'm sure he can. He won motos last year. That, that's proven. And I think that the Yamaha and stock trim is a much better bike than the Suzuki was. I, I don't know what his bike's going to be like. We'll find out in a couple of days. 
But the injury part is, is absolutely part of my strategy, right? That's just a part of the sport. So once I removed that, I, I felt like I lost my edge, and that's, I felt like I had an edge. That's why I wanted the bet. I actually think that that's a fair statement on his part as far as the injury things. I like the idea of maybe doing like a if there's an injury clause, then the the bet now becomes halved as far as the payout or something like that. Yeah, and, or and I said to him, "Give me okay, so I'll take no odds." I, or yeah, I said like I'll that. take no no motos, but uh-huh. give me some odds. Give me sure. some odds because I'm I'm literally going I'm banking against the injury thing, mm-hmm. and I'm picking five spots only out of you know all of the guys who. What kind up. of what kind of odds were you? Because to me, when you say odds, you're you're talking like three to one or something like to me, the only odds that I would even entertain in that scenario is say like it was going to be minus minus one twenty or something like that. Right. Which would be like 1.2 right. to one or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I was, I'm open to anything. I was open to any discussion, okay. but JT was well, just like, no, I think you're like, well, I want five to one or something, which I'm just immediately out. Like, no, thank you. I, there's no way I would ever take that. So I guess there could have been more discussion there, but, well, but really once you started getting into well, if this happens, it's over, and if this happens, it's over, and I want odds on it, then to me, that the spirit of the bet was gone. So I was just like, yeah, no problem. Like, just I one, con- just it. one like, condition. Okay, just gone. one condition. Just give me a minimum amount of motos raced. By and you wanted time. odds, and you wanted injury clause. No, no, no. I just, no, I, I, no, I, I didn't want any of that. I was the... throwing everything around. I was trying to get you to bet. Either way, give me motos, give me injury, give me motos raced, give me odds. Right. Like, give, well, take, take something out fair, of this. But, to, that's fair. But in the original bet, None of that was discussed, right? So I was willing right. to take the original bet. Right. And then once it changed, then well, that's okay. okay. Like, we don't have to have a bet. All right. Well, we're good. Tra- thank you, Travis Marks, for taking the bet. I look forward to collecting Travis what, Marks. What, what were the terms for, for Marks's bet? Uh, 18 motos. Yes, the race, 18 motos. And, 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 and a moto start just doesn't matter if it bike breaks or gets hurt. He starts the moto, that counts as one. So, uh, all right. So uh, I think, JT, the results this weekend, a little bit like what we see at Anaheim's in traditional Supercross years. I don't know if I'm going to take the results I see this weekend at Paula, as you've mentioned, the track these guys ride on a lot, as gospel for what's going to happen to the rest of the season. Now, obviously, in this year, there's another Paula. So two out of the 12 races are at the same track, which favors some guys and, and hurts other guys. But I don't think I'm going to run on a Pulpomex show on Monday and start running around saying this is what we're going to see the rest of the way. Yeah, it's, it's difficult for me as well. I agree with that. I think anytime you start in – and I would even say Glen Helen would be the same. You just have to take some of these results with a grain of salt because I don't think that you'll see riders like Zach Osborne have their best day at Paula. It's not a track he rides very often. Uh, and, and I think if you asked him deep down, and he may not admit it, but I think deep down in his heart of hearts, he's just going to want to get out of there with solid points and then move on to tracks that I, he believes he can win on because – Guys like Sexton, guys like Ferrandez, guys like Cinturillo, you just go down the list of guys that ride ride this track a lot, and they're going to feel really comfortable. It's going to be, you know, 75 degrees. It's, it's not like any other track will we'll face, and I guess the closest you could say would maybe be something like Hangtown, but I, I think Hangtown will be really hot. You know, I think we'll be in the 90s for Hangtown. So, to me, it's just one of those races where you want to get in, you want to have a solid day, you want to avoid catastrophe like Eli Tomac did early in the season last year, was unable to last year, and move on. And, uh, you know, I think there's there's two ways of, of looking at that. Of course, the Sexton and Cincerola side, they're going to want to go win. Um, but I think for most, 
basing your season off of your results at Paula is is probably a mistake, and I, I think you'll probably be be proven out to be a mistake. Yeah, it should be should be interesting to see. You know, I'm, I was talking to my buddy Clinton Fowler, uh, who accumulates a bunch of stats and, and puts them on Instagram. He's a great follow. Uh, we were looking at the results from last summer. Chase Sexton had four or five fastest qualifiers on the mm-hmm. year. He never once had the fastest lap in a moto. How about yeah. that? You know? Yep. So that's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's just such a different thing. Yep. You know, it's it's funny how – and I know you're a huge MotoGP fan. Huge. But, yeah. But it really translates – it doesn't matter what you're talking about. If you're talking about F1, if you're talking about Indy cars, if you're talking about NASCAR. And now it's really talk, turning into motocross and supercross where the pace for that one lap is so unrealistic. It's not replicable. Uh, just between the track and the effort level and the way guys are taking chances in that fast lap. That's just not how guys race. Um, so it's cool. You know, Kawasaki guys used to, I don't know if they still do, they used to get bonuses for being the fastest qualifier. There are some upsides to it. But as far as what you're going to see in the race, like just because a guy was three-tenths faster than EY Tomac on one lap, yeah, sorry, man, it's a 70-minute race throughout the course of the day. Like lots of things happen. Yeah, Um which Tomac's going to show up, you think, this summer? I'm still on that uh, just one of the guys that can win yeah. uh, line. And, and that's not a bad thing, but it, it's certainly a departure from 2017 through you know 2019 and, and the, I guess, May of 2020, June of 2020. I believe he had a distinct speed advantage for a, a solid three to four years. And if he could get out of his own way, on any given Saturday, both indoors or out, he was the fastest guy on the racetrack. And I don't know what's changed. I have a hard time believing that the entire rest of the field got better. I just don't think that's realistic to believe. I think that Tomac has just lost a step. Uh, I don't know if it's, you know, he, he's gone or gone a lot of life changes, all for the better, you know, his family and all kinds of things. Um, priority shift. I just, I don't know if he's willing to take some of the big risks. And that's like, we're talking about like half of a percent of difference, you know? Yeah. But half of a percent can be the difference between being the fastest guy on earth, you know, arguably, or one of the best guys that can win on any given weekend. And, and that's just what I've seen for a year straight. So I'm, I'm going con- to continue down that path until I see differently. All right. Got a couple questions uh, on the line. 702-586-7857. Daniel's on one. Daniel, thanks for calling. What's your question, man? Hey, how's it going? Good. Hey, so this is a question for JT or Steve. You could weigh in. I feel like, so I was a, I'm a local pro, and I had my pro license for a couple years for outdoors. But do these guys, when they talk about bike setup, are they really that picky for certain things? Like, I feel like if you're a pro rider, you should be able to, you know, adapt to whatever it is you're riding and not – I always use that as an excuse. Does that make sense? They are definitely picking. And and it's really hard to lump everybody into the same category because you have pretty wild extremes. Like some guys don't care so much. You don't hear them complain about the bike a whole lot. Uh, But then you have other guys that are, they are really picky. And you can see the results really swing. And to me, a lot of it's mental. There are adjustments that can, that can be made. Sure. But I think these guys get inside their own heads. If the bike's not perfect, instead of just finding a way to adapt and overcome and just beat that adversity, 
they let it psych them out. And they get so worried about the bike not being perfect that they don't focus on, okay, how can I change my riding style to make the bike work a little bit better? How can I change my line to let the bike work a little bit better? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, Steve's seen it a ton. I've seen it a ton. I've seen Chad do it where he's so flustered with the bike he can't even ride where if he would just forget about the bike and understand that you're one of the best riders in the world and go do, go do that, you know, they, they just, they're worried about the wrong things. Um, so yeah, it's hard to say, like, not everybody's the same, but there are definitely guys that you change two clickers, one direction or the other. And, and the world is ending. Yeah. And especially outdoors too. I mean, you think about, uh, uh, we talk about sex and setting the fast lap, your bike set up from, from qualifying brand new track in the morning to the second moto. I mean, you, yep. you need a team that can nail it. You need a team that can help you do it. But it's also very, very hard to get your bike perfectly for all of that stuff, you know, during the course of a day. Like, you have to just deal with it if you're a rider. You really do. Yeah, so. yeah. I don't know. And, of course, my bike was never as good as the factory bikes, but it was pretty good. I don't think there were many times that I ever rode my bike in a race where I'm like, man, it's perfect. Like, it's, yeah. it's doing everything I want it to do in every section of the racetrack. Like, yeah. that's, that's a part of being a professional is you have to – change one you have to be constantly thinking about what you're doing and if if something's not working then change it like you're you're the professional your bike's only going to do what it's going to do and i just think there's a lot of mental fortitude that has to be used there to just say okay well it is what it is and now i got to go do my job instead of using that as your backstop all the time is just you know we were off this adjustment or that and, and constantly changing every time you go out there i think you have to have some sort of predictability in the motorcycle because if you're yeah. changing the bike every time you go out, how can you ever know what it's going to do? Yeah. You know, how can you ever well, have any confidence that it's going to do something in a certain section? I was talking to a, a VIP for one of the big teams a couple of weeks ago, and I was talking about a rider that, that they have, and I was like, you know, he seems to be talking a lot about bike setup. And, you know, I mean, a lot of times when this guy doesn't do well, it's the bike, right? We hear through the grapevine, it's the bike, and the, they're not happy with the bike. And, and this guy was actually, instead of kind of bagging on the guy, this guy was like, yeah. He's like, we tell him, we'll work with the bike. We don't want him to have an ego. We don't want him to have a, a chip off his ego that he's just not good that day. We'll take it on us and tell him that, yeah. we'll, that we'll make the changes. You know, we're not going to sit there and be like, hey, man, this is a setup that we know works. We'll be yeah. like, hey, we'll get to work. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I get it. I understand it. But talk about feeding the beast. Well, and, and you want to talk about that. That was Chad in a nutshell. Uh, Chad was – and we all know the, the strengths and benefits that that gave him. He could com get completely smoked on a weekend and show up the next weekend expecting to win because something was off. The bike was off, the track was off, the weather was off, something was off. It wasn't him. So, you know, I think it can go both ways. It's a double-edged sword there where, yeah, it's unbelievable at times where you're just like, well, the bike must have sucked today. It, it couldn't have been that you didn't ride well, you yeah. know. But on the other end, if you have a bad day, that same methodology can, can let those guys bounce back and come into the next weekend and just wipe that bad result away if they find a place to put that blame on. Yeah, no, I get it. I just was not, I was just it's like, it's got to be crazy frustrating right? oh, as a, as a team member or, or an engineer. You're yeah. just like, come on, man. Right, right, exactly. So I was, I was just shaking my head a little bit about it, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of where we're at. Uh, another call for you from John. John, welcome to the fly racing moto 60 show. What's on your mind, man. Thank you very much for taking my call. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of you and JT. I love your work Thank and I've uh, been following Thanks. for a while. Absolutely. So I got a short. I want to say thank you to JT, and I've got. I do have a question. Okay. 
um, uh, the thank you is in the form of hearing uh, kinetic mesh over and over. <laughs> so I bought my, my boy a new bike. And, uh, of course, we had to wait on it and everything. We get it. And one day he's, you know, riding and he says, Dad, I'm hot. <laughs> and so the the fly kinetic mesh was the next thought I had in my mind. So we, we go, we get him fitted up and everything. But I didn't buy the, I didn't buy pants. Okay. And so we get him, we get him kitted up, and I'm trying to shove his jeans into the boots, and they're not fitting. And and he gets out of there, and he says, "Dad, my, you know, I'm still kind of hot. <laughs> I know what I got to do. I got to go buy pants." But so did you so go get some kinetic Dickie. mesh? Oh yeah, absolutely. Our dealer has everything. Has everything. It's a very good dealership. So okay. yeah, I'm gonna gonna do that. He's already got the jersey, kinetic mesh jersey, and the fly helmet and fly boots. Now I just gotta buy kinetic mesh pants. But so thanks, JT. And I'd love to hear thoughts, comments, any news. Our, you know, Roger DeCoster gets this Max Volan kid that I mm-hmm. have seen before. I'm really interested to know uh, any news, any information, any thoughts. Thank you. What about Max Volan, JT? Where are you at with Max? Well, it's going to be a learning year. You know, I think that injury was untimely and unfortunate because it definitely hurt his momentum. You know, I think they were going down a really smart path for Supercross was just be in the top ten, let's learn a lot, and let's go into outdoors where you have a lot of experience racing motocross, right? That's all he's ever done. Unfortunately, he hurts himself. That plan goes awry. Uh, so it's kind of starting over. Um, and, and I think it's going to be a, a feeling out process for him. You know, he's, he's jumping into the deep end with pretty experienced guys being in the 250 class anyway. And really, if you look at his, uh, career, he hasn't really raced the best guys, even at his age group many times, you know, even in at Loretta's last year, he raced some, some alternative classes that he, he did win, but I'm more, I have more questions and answers about how this is going to go. Uh, I, I think he, you know, he's starting on a on a great bike that helps a ton, so he should get good starts. He should be able to compete on a on equipment level, which is, as we know, such a massive part of the game in the 250 class. But I think there's going to be a little bit of, uh, you know, like, the first few laps of the, the first motor are going to be like, oh, man, because it, it's chaos. And I, I say that knowing full well what that word entails. The first few laps of the national, if you get, you know, a even a 15th place start, 20th place, there are bikes and people everywhere. And I don't think he's ever been in that scenario. If he gets a top five start, he'll be fine. He'll, he'll go right away and he'll put in good laps. But, man, that, those first few laps of your first national, I'll never forget mine at Gatorback. I couldn't see anything. People were bouncing off of me like a ping pong ball. Uh, so it's pretty easy to get pushed around a little bit, especially when you're young. Uh, so, again, I don't have a lot of answers. I, I'm really curious to see how it goes. Long term, he's going to figure it out. Uh, he has the talent. He has people around him, and he has the equipment. I'm just more curious to see how these openers go. If he leaves leaves uh, Paula with a top ten, that's a win. Oh, that's a huge success. That's a huge success yeah. for for, for yeah. Max uh, and yep. everybody. So, and I hopefully he's got you know he's got some term on his contract, and I hope that um, you know they they're patient with him and they let him go because that's 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 what they you know they're kind of following an MX2 version of what they do here. I think that's what Roger wants to do. Just take an unknown kid, put him in the program, and hope he succeeds. I don't know if it'll work because I don't know if the, the 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 equipment is as much of an advantage over here as is as it is in MX2. But I think that's what they're well, looking at, you know. Yeah, and it, it is. I mean, I don't think. Well, I don't think the equipment is as much of an advantage. I definitely don't believe that because I don't even believe that the KTM is the best bike here. I I, I think we all agree that the Star Yamaha is. But I think you you 
can't emphasize enough how important the age thing is for MX2, right? You're never going to be facing a veteran in MX2 realistically. Like, you're going to be a 22-year-old, I guess, if you want to say that's a wily veteran, sure. Right, yeah. But when I look at, like, Jeremy Martin, I'm like, yeah, put him in MX2 in Europe, and you got a different situation on your hands for the likes of Tom Biel or somebody like that, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so I think it's apples and oranges. I'm fine with the the methodology of, of putting him on that team. I just don't think it's fair to expect the same kind of success that the MX2 program has for KTM in Europe. Yep. John, uh, we, we're going to give you some Zone Pro goggles to match that kinetic stuff you get, all right? But you got to make us a promise that you're going to buy the pants. Oh, absolutely. Wow, that, okay. that was unexpected. Thank no, you. No worries, man. Thanks for calling in. Stay on hold. We'll get your information and get you a pair of Zone Pro goggles, all right? Okay, thank you. No worries. Uh, a couple more for you, JT, before we get going. Justin, what's going on? You got sponsorship questions? Yeah, I think uh, first and foremost, guys, uh, I'm a truck driver, and I just want to just tell you how much your guys' stuff means to me. Thank you. Uh, when transporting, so yeah, you guys cool. keep me sane out here on the road. Good, so, good to hear for sure. I love podcasts uh, when I drive, man. When I drive, I almost almost always listen to podcasts. That's almost yeah. And I'm I, I'm an audio guy, like you said, you are as well. Yeah. I could no offense, guys, but I don't care about seeing your mugs. I just want to hear your voice. <laughs> so. All right. <laughs> I don't like. But right on. Anyway, a mirror is funny. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, my question is kind of twofold. One's about Eli Tomac. The other one is about the, uh, uh, you know, Rockstar Husky. Is yeah. Rockstar signed on for next year? Uh, I believe so. The last I heard, uh, obviously the team's going. Uh, Osborne re-signed with them, and I know Hampshire has been told that he was good to go. And I don't know about Dino. Uh, it looks like Anderson is leaving, but I think Rockstar will be back. Yeah, JT, did you hear anything more about that? Well, officially no, um, but you know, word of something like that would. I feel like I would have heard that they're going away. I, I, so from our dealings with the Rockstar team, we are moving forward. We have designs for new gear. We have all those things that are in place. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, Zacco just signed on again on the Husky team for 450, which would, to me, would signify that Rockstar's staying. So there's yeah. a lot of smoke signals saying that it's all kind of going moving yep, forward. I would think so. Okay. So my only question is, is in regards to Eli Tomac, do you think his decision to go to Star – is a, a more sponsor based, and then B is it you know him just kind of putting faith in since Star taking over the program that they could really get that bike to work indoors because it to me if he just and, and I don't want to say it because I like the guy but if he's just in it for a paycheck for the next couple years going the sponsorship route probably makes sense and you know just do your best but if he really wants to go out on top. Do you think the decision, and I'm a, I'm a Blue Crew guy, I'm a Blue Crew owner, but do you think the decision to go into that particular team was the smartest, in your opinion, in like a percentage pie type situation? Uh, I'll go first. I think uh, I don't think he's in it for the paycheck. I think he wants to win. I think he felt like, look, I, I mean, I know that they're not always happy with the bike setup. Eli's talked about it a few times, but he's, he's won so many races on that damn Cowie that I just can't see where a bike setup is an issue. I would look at starts and the first lap issues for Eli, and, and I just think it was time. I don't think it was a money move. I don't think it was a total dissatisfaction with Cowie. I just think it, it was something like, let's try something new. Let's get going. Let's uh, you know invigorate ourselves and try something different. Um, you know what I mean? Change so, of pace. Yeah, change of yeah. pace. I don't, I don't think it's a, 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 a negative for Cowie or a negative for Eli. Just these things happen, and, and both sides kind of wanted to change. So that, that's my take on it. JT? 
Yeah, I agree with that. To me, it was such a curious move. I would have just never, ever thought that was happening. I was so blindsided by it that... I'm right there with you. Yeah, until I really hear what the reasoning was, I'm I'm going to not draw a conclusion because I don't know. I, I don't... To me, on the surface, I have absolutely no idea why he would want to make a move like that because, to me, it's sideways at best. You know, I, I myself view Monster Energy Kawasaki as one of the premier teams out there. And I think Monster Star Yamaha is great, too. But let's face it, the last, let's say, five years of the Yamaha 450 ever haven't been the most stable, right? They've been kind of all over the place. They didn't even have a team at one point. Then they brought it back. They were kind of teetering budget-wise. They make this move to, to Monster Star now. Like To me, there's just so much up in the air, right, that I would have just never thought that a guy like Eli Tomek would make a move there when he could basically go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, good for him. Like He's, he's making his own decisions, and, and I hope it works out for him. I don't have a dog in the fight whatsoever. It was just a really shocking move to me uh, on every level. I just never saw that coming. So what happens when you want to get on Yamaha, JT? You just do anything and anything to get on Blue Crew. I get it. And that's great. I I'm glad it. you are Blue Crew, and I'm, <laughs> uh, you're my friend. I'm happy for you. But you have to. You can't say that you weren't very surprised by that whole deal. Oh, yeah, like, yeah for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I kind of thought that Bobby Reagan and Monster and Yamaha threw a bunch of money at him because I know from talking to people that have negotiated with John Tomac, directly mm-hmm. negotiated with him, that dollar is very important to him. I'm not saying at the yeah. expense of anything else, but I've heard this directly from people that are like, man, John John just wants the dollars, right? And, and so, okay, that's fine. That's, that's your right. So I assume that this Yamaha deal came in super high. and it was, and I, But I was, in talking to people off the record stuff, I was told that wasn't the case. That was not but the case. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and sure, I, I know that's always possible, but I just I have a hard time believing if you're Bruce Sternstrom, who would – my opinion would be be doing the negotiating. You're just going to let Tomac walk out the door for more money. You know, your three-time motocross champ, your supercross champ, you know, you have Adam, of course, but when you're surveying the field of where you're going to go next, it, it sounds like Jason Anderson's going to go there. I would just be like, man, how are we going to let this guy go? Well, and I'll, it, I'll tell and you I, why. It, yeah, it doesn't sound I mean, like they have a choice. I'll tell you why they they they're ruthless. They let James walk. They let Ricky go. They let you know the RV went to the GPS. Tomac hasn't won in two series, and they're paying him yeah. a lot of money. And maybe they're just like, we don't see it. There's a natural end to all these things, and this is where this athlete's winning has stopped. Well, you know, I, I guess in that vein, where because that's where I come down is like he is just another guy right. that can win. If they see that trend and that's where it's going, then maybe they are willing to do it. Maybe because. We all know, you know, paychecks in that range are anywhere from in the two to three million dollar a year range, right? And if they don't feel like they're getting a perennial champ, maybe they feel like it's not worth it. Right. Maybe maybe you're right. I do feel like that. I feel like that's their feeling. Like, eh, we're not so sure you can win anymore. You know? So um, uh, I, I expected them to retire. So I was already going down that path. Right. But if he you know, it, it sounds like he signed a two year deal, right? Is is that what you're hearing? Yeah. That would be my guess. So if he's signing up for two more years, man, I, if I'm Cowie, I just fuck up and say we're gonna we're gonna have this guy retired right, here. Right. You know, I, I don't know, man. Uh, it, it just seems like a really strange development right. to me. Well, Justin, thanks for the call, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, right on, guys. All right, thank thanks. you. Thanks. Uh, all right, JT, we'll let you go. Fly Racing, flyracing.com. Please check them out. 2021 uh, line is out. 
There's probably no more 2021 and a half kinetic mesh, but hey, try it out anyways. Maybe your dealer has it. Well, uh, dealers have it. Yeah, that's yeah. the whole thing, right? We we are sold out, but dealers across the country definitely have it. All right, awesome. Thanks for coming on, man. Okay, yeah. Thanks. Fly Racing, of course, uh, favorite e-tailer. Call the guys at Motorsport and uh, check out Fly Racing. Also, thanks to the folks at FMF Vision, Maxis Tires, Pro Taper, and Get. Two-stroke, four-stroke ECUs. If you want to deal from the folks at Get, the RPM dashboard as well in the front fender, use the contact form on pulpamex.com, and uh, we can get it to you. Still got a giving away a pair of FMF Vision goggles as well. Pro Taper, of course, Rockstar Husky, Chaparral, Honda, and the Star Racing guys using Pro Taper. Maxxis Tires, the SGB Maxxis team, and the FMF Vision guys. Zach Osborne defending his championship with FMF Vision. Let's get to our next guest uh, from Swap Moto Live, uh, one of my good friends, Michael Antonovich. Anton, what's up, man? What's going on? How are you doing? Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. I'm excited for the Nationals to start. I always uh, say the same thing. Uh, by the end of Supercross, I'm over it. I want to see the motocross races. And by the end of motocross races, I'm over those, and I want to get back to Supercross. So I'm ready. Oh, yeah, totally. After you watch so many races with, like, 48-second lap times, you're like, okay, that's, that's cool. And yeah. then you want to see guys hold it wide open, which yeah. we'll see for the next 12 weeks. But then, yeah, by the time you get to about round nine and you're tired of traveling to like the most far-flung corners of the country you're like just you know a stadium would be nice it'd be nice to have wi-fi it'd be nice to have not a porta potty it's 100 degrees and yeah everything and all of that right yeah and you can't post anything because there's no cell service anywhere like yeah then yep. you start like and you like you start like in supercross yeah a lot more and then. you start like you know what anaheim's pretty cool let's go there yeah I- i'm let's with come you back to the stadium let's have yeah let's get yelled at by security guards all weekend right yeah what uh, what national are you looking forward to the most? Now, we're back to 12 rounds. We're, we're, we got two Paulas. We lost WW. But what are you looking for? Looking forward to? Uh, the Colorado one's probably one of my favorites. That's just such a fun place to go check out, mm-hmm. you know, as far as, as Denver goes, the track. You can pretty much see everything from a handful of spots, and yep. you, you can't say that for a lot of them. Right. Uh, Millville would probably be the second one. That's just such a great racy track. Uh, facility is top-notch. Uh, I would I would say those two. Usually, Washougal is really really good too. I'm excited about that one. Um, you kind of can't go wrong. Like they all have their their like pros and cons in a lot of different ways. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to Southwick. I like Southwick. Yeah. I, I like the Fenway Park feel of it. Uh, it's inside of a little town. Uh, it's old school, like 1970s. They race national. I just like that. I'm looking forward to going back to sand. Uh, you know, as much sand as we call that in the USA. But I, I like Southwick, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I've only been there that one time in 2019, and I mean, after hearing about it my entire life to go see it, it blew me away. Like that, it, you have to go to that track to understand really how rough it gets. And and like you said, that's nothing like what Valkensward or Lommel gets rough like, but that is a man's track for sure. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Swap Moto Live, how's everything going with you guys? You're busy, right? You're at the you're at the oh, press yeah. ride day, wide open. Yep, 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 yeah. We're crushing it out this week. Uh, studio shows today did the tuesday media day i'm gonna go back down to the track tomorrow so yeah it's good it's good to be back in california after some time away what are your, some of your observations from uh the, the ride day on tuesday what, what, what'd you take away um so the new sand like silt material that they brought in is mm-hmm. super soft like okay. this is it's basically just powder dust uh it doesn't seem to hold water all that great oh, it boy. seems like they just put it on there yep. yeah and if you get off the main line a little bit, you are done. Uh, we posted that 250 raw video that our guy Chase Curtis made, uh-huh. and you could see uh, Stank Dog get off the main line coming down the hill. He lands like a foot off the track, and then it's just endo all the way down the hill. If you get into the soft stuff, it just robs all your power. 
Um, so in saying that, guys that are able to like stay light and on top of everything are going to go really fast. So those dudes that have a lot of technique, I think those guys will be much better. It doesn't seem like this is going to be one of those weekends where if you bulldog the bike and just jam it in places is going to be the fast way to go. Because you basically hit the corner, you hit the soft stuff, and you go to a dead stop. If you're able to stay light and on top of it, that right. seems to be the, the quick line. Marvin and Jason were the two best guys at that on Tuesday. 702-586-PULP. you got a question for Anton or myself for the Fly Race and Moto 60 show. Why would they do that? Any reason why they want to do that? I don't like when they when they take a natural soil of these tracks, and they've done it to all of them just about, and make them a certain way. I know it's dust reasons a lot of times, but not in this case it doesn't sound like it. But like any idea why they would jump all that on there? I think that the way that Fox Raceway gets used so much, especially that hillside part of the track mm-hmm. where Fox's VIP thing is going to be, uh, anybody that's ridden that track over the last 10 years that section of the property especially changed so much. It used to be really good dirt, and then it just progressively got a little bit worse and a little bit worse, and it's like concrete. So it seems like they added that stuff over there to soften it up a bit. Um, So I get it, but at the same time, too, I was a little surprised to see how that was. And that material has been added to a lot of other places around the track. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that you just have to do that, though. Like, when a facility gets used as much as Fox Raceway does, you always do have to bring in some material because think about how much dirt leaves on the underside of people's fenders or in their boots or or wherever. Like, over time, that stuff does disappear. So Marvin and Jason stood out for you. Uh, Anybody else in 250-wise? 250-wise, like, the Lawrence brothers look great. They always do. Uh, Star guys were, were... powerhouses colt nichols i don't think a lot of people talked about colt looked really really fast and i think this is going to be the same as it was in supercross they don't really think too much about him, but then you get two or three races in and you're thinking well colt is up there on points yep Uh, it'll be good to see how he does because now he has that maturity he's been around for a while he has a championship this is his summer to kind of start putting in wins and he could be the one guy that breaks up like the justin cooper jeremy martin star powerhouse thing like he could be that third mix in there um alex wasn't there i'm sure amart i mean you're the troll train whisperer so maybe you know more than that uh, yeah so we're that not was, gonna we're not gonna questions. show everybody what we got on a tuesday okay, okay. we're not we're not gonna do that no yeah um but it was good volan looked great oh good that kid yeah. he's he's very good and i think that he caught a lot of people by surprise just with how smooth he was the other day mm-hmm. uh a lot of guys look fast. It'll be interesting to see. But even just talking to the riders on the starting line before they like got the green yeah. flag to go out and practice, everybody knows this is a very stacked lineup, and there will be guys that leave Saturday night disappointed in their finish, even if it is 12th or 15th or whatever. They think that they're a top-seven guy, yeah. and they're, they're not going to get that result. And that goes for both classes. Yeah, Monday night we listed 12 guys in 450s, and we said these 12 guys all expect to be top five. Yeah. <laughs> so there's going to be some people a little bit butthurt, right? There's, there's mm-hmm. no doubt. Um, let's take some phone calls here from Michael Antonovich uh, coming up. We got Levi has a bold prediction on one. Levi, uh, what's going on? Welcome to the show. What's your bold prediction? So I'm going to call it now. Okay. Uh, I'm calling Phil comes out hot and gets a podium for the first round. And oh, wow. He just needs to say y'all be more podiums, maybe even a moto win. Oh, wow. Phil, podium, Paula, Anton, I, I, that's too hot for me to accept. 
Phil called it Erzberg on Monday or on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think he's very pumped on that track right now. Right. And was he talking more because of the hills or the jumps or what was he? What did he mean by that? Uh, the rock, like there, the just the chuck holes that were in stuff, okay. the sandy part of it. Like it was, it was a brutal track on on Tuesday. Right. Well, I, I mean, knowing Phil, he'll turn it into a positive as always. Yeah, he'll just he'll just run it out and just take out of all this frustration on it. Right. He's in a good mood. He was, I think, that's the happiest I've seen so in years. Oh wow! Uh, and, yeah, and he's he's pumped to be back on the starting line in the U.S. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't think he knew that that was ever going to happen again. So right. to get another opportunity like this, he wants to make the most of it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, our buddy Filthy Phil back on the line. Anything else, Levi? Um, I think Colt's going to do really well this year outdoors. Yeah. I think he could be surprised. Anton's already uh, mentioned that. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think people might be sleeping on Colt Nichols a little bit. Brandon, what uh, what's going on, man? What's your question? Hey, yeah. So uh, when I watch uh, Eli over these last you know three championships he got and this last year, it seems like he's had a lot of DNFs mechanical wise, and even like when Joey was on Kawasaki, he had a lot of DNFs as well. And I was kind of wondering if you guys thought that he's questioning, like, the reliability of the bike. I, mm. I'm assuming he rides a little harder than other people, but maybe he's saying, like, hey, I don't notice when Barsha was on there, you know, I didn't notice Barsha's brake, bike braking a lot. And some of that stuff, you know, probably is fluke, like the rock to the brake, but it just seems like there's a lot of fluke uh, bike repairs. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the motocross nations too. Um, you, you know, definitely uh, Loretta's last year. Both, I would agree, Anton, that Tomac seems to have more DNS for a factory bike than probably other guys out there. Yeah, and it goes exactly to what this guy said. Eli rides the bike harder, I think, than anybody else does, and that probably leads to a lot of the things that he has to work around because no one rides to his level, to his aggression level. Nobody's able to set a bike up how he wants to do it. He is the only kind of barometer that he has. There's nobody else that's, like, riding to his style. They can say, well, yeah, it's going to do this. Completely separate there. Yeah. He does have a lot of mechanicals. And then to the Joey thing, I think I might be wrong. I don't. I could be wrong, could not be. I want to say when Joey was there, that was that first year of the new generation Cowie. So I think that they were still working through some stuff. And he had some weird mechanical issues that – I never expected to see. So that stuff has happened. Um, but then there have been little things that Cowie has figured out over the years, like little parts that they would change, like, hey, we can't use this. We have to switch to this to, to alleviate those issues. But, yeah, Eli rides harder than anybody else does. Yeah, You don't see anybody else smoking a clutch, you know, 12 minutes into a Supercross main event. No, absolutely not. Uh, good question, Brandon. You want some FMF Vision goggles? Sure. Thank right. you. Thanks for calling. Uh, stay on the line. We'll get the information. FMF Vision, the official goggle of... The Savachi Bogle and Zacco. All right, stay on the line. Uh, all right, uh, go follow him on Instagram at FMF Vision or just go to FMFRacing.com and uh, click on the tab and, and learn more about their goggles. Uh, Michael Antonovich on the line. Anton, I got a couple wild cards in the, each class. I want to get your thoughts on that. Like different different expectations. And this okay. isn't and this isn't uh, uh, you know a grand uh, uh, leap of faith here, but Forkner. Like, legitimately a wild card for the championship, I think, right? I think we'd both agree with that. Or Forkner get hurt again and we, and we don't see him the rest of the summer. Like, Austin Forkner to me in the 250 class is the guy that you could tell me wins or barely races, and I'd be like, yep, okay. Uh, do you agree? Yeah, totally. I think that, 
he's got to get through these West Coast races, like he's been saying in interviews. These are not his preferred tracks. He needs to get through these, get back to the East Coast, and kind of get it going from there. But it seems like Cowie and all the people that are around him have not given up faith yet. They they really want to see their investment through. Uh, but I agree with you, it could go either way. You know, he could click off Moto wins, or he could get five races in, and then we don't see him the rest of the summer. Yeah. But this is this is like a do or die summer for him because he's running out of time to get a championship. You know what I mean? And, and if he does go to the 450 class eventually, it's only going to get harder to get one there. My wild card 450s, and this guy isn't. This isn't for wins or a championship, but I think this could be for podiums. Is Dylan Ferrandez? I don't feel like we're talking enough about Dylan Ferrandez outdoors. And obviously, his European background always makes me think about how he's better outdoors than in. He's a national champion, as we know, all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think um, Ferrandez could surprise. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, I th- I have him. I see him getting at least one moto win this year. He, he has the speed. I mean, to go from where he was last year, winning a 250 MX champion, championship, being one of the dominant riders there, being a great outdoor rider over the last few years, this is going to really set up into his forte a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see him being one of those guys that really, really mixes it up, some fast lap times here and there. Yeah, I think that people have kind of not paid attention to him as much, but right. that might be a good thing for him because now he's off the radar a bit and then can just go out there and, and put it in. The two guys that are uh, potential race winners, uh, Zacho and uh, Jeremy Martin, both dealing with injuries a little bit. Zach's, Zach's back is something that sounds like it's going to be a, a daily maintenance issue for him all year, um, and maybe practicing won't be – he won't be able to practice all the time. And then J-Mart's got, got a wrist and, and a bit of a shoulder problem. So what do you hear about that? Yeah, the Zach thing, like you said, it's just going to be maintenance. Uh, I think that he knows he can't smoke himself too soon. Like, can't can't get too overdone now because this is going to be something he has to maintain all season. And especially, I said this on our podcast yesterday, when we get into the back-to-back races in the middle of the summer, from Redbud to Southwick to Millville, those are three of the roughest tracks that we have, and those are in rapid-fire order, consecutive weekends. If you're not feeling great there, you're not going to defend the championship. So he's really going to have to be pretty wily about it, vet vet class race guy, and know when to expend a lot of energy and then Mm -hmm. when to go into maintenance mode. Uh, And then for J-Mart, yeah, same thing. The shoulder thing, um, he knows, like, I have to be here all summer. He knows that it's it's going to be a liability and it's something he's got to be mindful of, uh, hoping that it doesn't get worse because he didn't get the surgery after the Orlando crash, but if he gets surgery and he misses half of the summer or whatever, he knows that he's out of a contract again. So he's riding for his career right now this summer, I think. Well, he really thought he was stepping into that 450 ride over there, right? That's why he went there. Yeah. And then they go and sign Eli Tomac. So, yeah, that's something. That 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 threw a wrench into J-Mart's future plans. Yeah. And, I mean, I think that that goes for a lot of guys. There were a lot of people that had their eye thinking, I'm going to get this 450 spot at Star, and then it, it's not – panning out that way for multiple people uh but for jeremy he could get a lot done this year he's the favorite he's the only guy that's a champion in that class yeah. he knows how to get all the way through it uh, it's just going to be how does he how does he respond to a new generation because we always talk about the 450 class you know the level steps up and these new guys come in you know chase sexton and adam mm-hmm. and dylan the same thing happens in the 250 class there are 250 class kids that are going to want to push the pace more than what Jeremy was doing when he was winning, you know, 250 titles a couple years ago. 
Yeah, I think if he if his um if his uh, uh wrist allows him to do twenty four motos, he wins the championship. You yeah, I mean, uh, but if he, if he's out because of wrist or shoulder and he misses motos, then there we go, right? He's back yeah. to, back to square one, I think, a little bit with that. So yeah, and it's just such a wild thing to see how these last few years have gone for him because I, I can't think of another guy that's had the kind of ups and downs that he's had in the in the last little bit because on any given night, any given weekend, he's the fastest two fifty guy in the world, mm-hmm. but then things step up and then he's unable to race for extended periods of time. I also think a guy that's sleeping on a little bit, and I actually, I actually looked into getting an insurance policy on this guy. Uh, that's how much I kind of think he could be a sleeper. But this was this was just for top tens. Is Joey Savacci really riding well near the end of Supercross? Um, more comfy down there at the eighty three compound in Florida. I think Savacci could be a, a consistent five to ten guy, maybe higher at times. Yeah, no, I completely agree, especially with how much he stepped up at the tail end of supercross just results started coming in he looks much more comfortable and confident on the bike uh ktm is really invested in him you know they know that they have a pretty good talent in him and and getting him the way that they got him when he was a free agent Mm -hmm. he he could do a lot with them yeah you know Uh, he's not making a ton of money right he's 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 not making a ton of money yeah yeah uh the ktm guys like him because he was you know orange brigade kid turn pro with KTM stuff like he has a deep history there mm-hmm. and he knows how they work so they'll they'll want to make sure that he's happy uh but yeah I, I totally see him being a top 10 guy all summer yeah. uh, just even on Tuesday he looked great and I think the move down to the 83 compound being around more guys riding with a different crew has really helped him take that next step yeah yeah, uh, yeah, I think I think he could open some eyes, but not as much as like Dylan Ferrandis or you know the, the top guys. But I think Joey could get a podium. I think he could be in the mix more than we would think each weekend. You know, he starts he, generally speaking, he's a good starter. So we'll see. Uh, this is the part of the show, Anton, on the Fly Race and Moto City Show, where I put you on the spot. Give mm-hmm. me your champions in, in each class. Uh, who what do you think? Champions is hard. I mean, that's that that's really hard to say, especially after we haven't even seen one moto yet. Mm-hmm. Um. Or give me your Paula race winners then. Anton. Okay, do, do yeah, something okay. here. All right. I think I, I think Justin Cooper is going to be the 250 guy uh, coming through this weekend. Uh-huh. Just he puts in so many laps at Fox Raceway. Really efficient riding style. He's not prone to crashes or anything like that. I think he'll he'll do pretty well. Um, I'm excited to see him, the Lawrence brothers, and Forkner all on the track at the same time because yep. that's completely big dynamic mixes that are yes. that are going to be great yep. and then you bring in jmart into well, J- the mix too jmart hates everybody everybody yeah jmart exactly. hates everybody you're right yep so yeah so i i think cooper could make a good statement at that opening round uh and then as far as the 450 class goes i said it on our podcast yesterday i think adam or eli just because you know eli could make things interesting he always starts the season off pretty strong outdoors uh, and then Adam has just been putting in so many motos lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you look at Adam, and he got second overall last year. You know what I mean? Like people are like, oh, he, you know, he's crashing or whatever. The guy got second overall in eighteen motos last year. He had one bad moto. Everybody had a bad moto here and there. Mm-hmm. And you know, so yeah, Adam was as pretty consistent through eighteen motos. Through uh, and he seems a mental approach for Adam right now is two. He he seems like he's figured out like. Okay, I've been playful in the past when I was a 250 guy, and then I had to get serious. But then I got too serious and took some of the fun away from it. So now he's going to find the balance of, like, what's fun, but what's productive, but what's concentrated enough, but what, like, makes it where he's not pulling his hair out all the time. I think this will be a good year for Adam to kind of put all the pieces together. Yep. Um, 
yeah, I think that he's going to be one of those guys. Everybody has something this year that if you watch closely enough, you will see their pros and cons. Mm-hmm. There's there's no there's no point. betting favorite for the 450 national title. I would feel if we're in Vegas and we're setting the odds, there's four to five guys with the same odds. Yeah. You know? Same, same odds, and you'll know by the time we get through high point, you'll have an idea of like, okay, this yep. is where they stack up. Especially like after – watching that press conference yesterday that I missed out on and then reading interviews and stuff like that. There are some guys that are very motivated and there are already some guys that are like, meh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. You know? I, I don't know. And, and that's pretty surprising. I don't know what Kenny was saying. I don't know if that's a smoke screen or not. I don't think that it is. If it's not a smoke screen. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I don't think that it is. Uh, okay. Yeah. I yeah. don't think that it is. Well, Which well, is unfortunate, yeah. you know, because I think that, he's going to come under a lot of heat from people publicly. He, if he cares or not that like what the public perception of him is, who knows, but uh, it does not seem like he's ready to go the same way he was when he was a, a real championship contender at KTM and at Suzuki years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, no. I, you and I have been talking about this for a couple of weeks now, you know, even before the last supercross race after that interview, I don't think that he goes the whole summer. I think it's wow. just, I don't know. I just, I see that it's its going to be very difficult for him, and I wouldn't be surprised if he goes Supercross only from here on out. I've never seen a racer do that coming in the series. That's why I was like thinking to myself, this has to be a smokescreen, because I've never seen that strategy put out by a top rider before. So yeah, it's, and, uh, and I would love yeah. to see him do well, oh, you know, course, because yeah. he brings in such a different dynamic, and you always want to see these guys that are out there. Yep. But uh, and it's not like he's having a terrible time. Like to get second in a Supercross season, the best result he's ever had. He was in it through seventeen rounds. Yeah, it's a complete question mark as we get ready for a long yeah, summer. Absolutely. Well, Anton, thanks for the time. I appreciate it. We'll see you Saturday, man. Um, uh, Swap Moto Live for more information, interviews, videos, all that kind of stuff. Check that out, please. Uh, thanks, Anton. All right, later, boys. All right, see you. That's Michael Antonovich, everybody, in the Fly Race and Moto 60 show, presented by Get, Pro Taper, Maxis, FMF Vision, all on board with us. Uh, thank you, people, for listening. We'll be here each and every Thursday, right, Tits? Yeah, buddy. Will we be earlier next week? Yes. Uh, I will guarantee uh, that. And by the way, no maintenance needed on the tasers. I'm good to go. I was thinking I got blackballed after our last little <laughs> thing. But... No, we're good. Thanks okay. for listening, everybody. Really appreciate it. See you next week.